Welcome to Public Policy This Week, a well-rounded weekly discussion of policy issues that frame today's American experience. Good morning. It is Friday, March 17th, and you've joined us for Public Policy This Week. Public Policy This Week is dedicated to the honest and open discussion of public policy issues. Each week we take a look at specific policy subjects, and we have guests on the show who are experts in their fields. We do our best to stay away from politics. Instead, we concentrate on the research, on facts, and on the expertise of our guests to help us arrive at well-thought-out, comprehensive, integrated policy solutions to the shared challenges we face in society. Our program runs the gamut on policy subjects, from neighborhood concerns to municipal, state, and national-level issues. Everything is fair game. Our objective is civil, thoughtful dialogue about important public policy issues that convey ideas and solutions to move society forward. I'm Rich Larson, one of your hosts for this morning's show, and the Manning sitting across from me is my co-host, Mr. Bruce Moreland. Thank you. We are joined in studio by Dr. Beth Mallow. Dr. Mallow holds the Bury Endowed Chair in Cognitive Childhood Development, is a professor and vice chair for academic affairs in the Department of Neurology at Vanderbilt University Medical Center and is director of the Vanderbilt Sleep Division. Throughout her career, she has gained experience in communicating with the public and policy matters to advance science and public health in a variety of areas. She currently serves as a discussion leader and workshop developer for Braver Angels, a nonprofit bipartisan organization focusing on bridging the political divide. And actually, she is my co-chair of that team. Uh, with uh, we co-chair that team within Citizens Climate Lobby, which is another nonprofit bipartisan organization focused on advancing legislation related to climate change. And she is co-liaison for a Tennessee member of Congress. She also serves as Vice President for Educational for Toastmasters International. More recently, as a physician working during the COVID epidemic, Beth was recognized a growing need for scientists and health professionals to communicate with the public in a manner that is digestible and communicates trust. She was selected to give a Vanderbilt TED Talk on the art of communicating science. She is enrolled in a graduate-level certificate program at the Allen Alda Center for Science Communication, and she's also advocated successfully for later school tar- start times for middle and high school students and has testified to a U.S. Congressional Committee on the Health Benefits of Ending Daylight Saving Time, which is our topic for today. She's been interviewed by the Washington Post, NPR, CBS, PBS NewsHour, and the Rolling Stone, and she's about to add KYMN to that <laughs> list of accomplishments. She's currently involved in grassroots efforts in Tennessee to have that state opt out of daylight saving time and adopt permanent standard time, and we're going to learn all about that. Welcome, Dr. Mallow, to Public Policy This Week on KYMN Radio, which I know now is just a hallmark uh, uh, or a uh, landmark of your career. (laughs) I have to say, that is one of the kindest introductions I've ever had, Bruce and Rick. I really appreciate it. As I was listening to that, I realized why I really need to get more sleep. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I have to tell you folks... um, Obviously, this is a timely show today, but uh, uh, on Sunday, when we sprung forward, I have to, I, I do morning radio. I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, I went to bed at what would have been my normal time, eight thirty, nine o'clock, something like that. And I couldn't sleep and I couldn't sleep. I, I, I got absolutely no sleep. 
on Sunday night. I didn't sleep at all because we we had sprung forward an hour and it had completely disrupted the biorhythms and everything else. And so I'm I, I'm I'm going to be the, uh, the 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 resonant crab here and and just sort of growl about uh, daylight savings time all all throughout the show. I hope that's all right. I have to throw in a little visual as well. Uh, we're on Zoom with with Dr. Mallow, and her backdrop is the dolly painting the clocks, <laughs> which is perfect. Yes. Okay. In any case, um, I think we'll start with a brief history of daylight saving time, including some uh, some of the early uninformed pros and cons that people used to talk about. Um, Beth, you can jump in anytime I make mistakes, but. Basically, standard time began in 1883 when the U.S. and Canadian railroads initiated standard time and standardized time zones. So it was a commerce interest that asked us to standardize our clocks, and that's because the rails allowed people to travel between cities in a manner that the clocks, you would see this, you know, because the travel time was so much shorter than people were used to, they, they had a chance to see that clocks were, had to be synchronized, and it worked well for the railroads. Uh, before that time, uh, noon was a local idea reinforced by a public clock tower or a church bell or a factory whistle that would blow at noon so people knew when when, when noon was. Interesting. So that was the, the standard time start. And if you went to grade school, when I went to grade school, which is before clocks have been invented practically, <laughs> um, you, you learned that Franklin was the father of daylight saving time, which he really isn't. What right. he What he was was the... You, everybody has heard his saying, um, early to bed and early to rise makes you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And his point was that the Parisians, this is when I think when he came up with it, were sleeping in till forever mm -hmm. and having breakfast at noon. And, I mean, he, he said they were wasting the best part of the day. Right. So he was the first person in some sense to say, you need to use the sun when it's there rather than doing what the Parisians were doing. But, you know, Parisians, they aren't French. They're Parisians. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I must have been the year behind you in elementary school because my fourth grade teacher told me the same thing. Ben Franklin <laughs> invented daylight savings time. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a standard trope. So anyway, we, we learned that in World War I it was brought into play. And, Beth, you and I talked about that briefly. Do you remember why it was that World War yeah, I? Yeah, so actually Germany started it first, and yeah. then I believe uh, Great Britain and then the U.S. jumped in because they thought, well, we got to save energy too. So the idea was it was going to save electrical energy, lighting costs, because then you could move light later in the day and you wouldn't have to light your homes when it got darker. So it was tried seasonally for World War One, and everybody – didn't like it, and they went back to what we were doing. And then in World War II, someone again got the bright idea, let's just do it year-round and for the war effort. And uh, that's how it came to be. Uh, all, all during World War II, I guess, we were on uh, daylight saving time. And that was permanent. It wasn't seasonal. Correct. Okay. Correct. That's interesting. Um, why did they, how did it survive the end of the war then? Why, why didn't it, everybody say, oh, it's peace, we can go back to sleep? Well, what happened at the end of the war is Congress said, you can do whatever you want. So you had all these towns throughout the country doing whatever they wanted, and it was really chaotic, especially as people started to travel more between cities and you had the interstate system and all it was really chaotic what what you were on and you needed to have all these elaborate 
clocks and you know just or schedules right Right. telling you where you were what time it was uh it was it was it was quite because at least you had the four time zones from 1883 but then you had some on standard and some on daylight and some changed to different times of the year Mm -hmm. Uh, so that led to in 1966 congress saying all right we're going to have this uniform time act and we're going to be on daylight saving time. At that time, it was April to October. Now it's uh, March to November, but it was April to October. And if you really want to opt out and just stay on standard time all year round, you can do that as a state. But you, 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 know, you have your two choices. You either do April to October daylight saving time and then standard time in the winter when it's really dark and cold, <laughs> or you just stay on standard time all year round. And actually, Arizona and Hawaii opted just to be on standard time year round uh, and then everybody else. And oh, in Indiana, but um, <laughs> Indiana is I don't want to get into Indiana. Indiana uh, is very complicated, but they did kind of different things in different parts of the state. And then finally in 2006, they all went to daylight saving time with the rest <laughs> of the country, except for Arizona and Hawaii. Oh man. By the way, uh, we forgot to ask Beth where she's at. She's in Tennessee. Is that right? I'm in Tennessee. I'm in um, south of Nashville, Brentwood, Tennessee, and we are in the midst of, as a state, trying to do what Arizona and Hawaii did and opt out of daylight saving time and stay on standard time year-round with our collaborating neighbors. We wouldn't do it by ourselves. We do it with Kentucky and Georgia and various other states. Oh, wow. Down here. Yeah. I just had to mention the latitude difference because up here it's cold. Down there it's <laughs> – since I meet with Beth once a week, I, I'm aware, very aware of how much more comfortable it is down there right now. But I'll get back at her in July and August. <laughs> okay, so one more thing then. What happened in 74 during the oil embargo? We went to year-round daylight time? Yeah, so people again – thought, wow, we need to save energy. So Nixon and the Congress were basically like, let's go to, let's just go to year-round daylight saving time, save all this energy. And Americans, this is really interesting. So I think it was like 79% of them really were into it. They were like, let's do this. It's a great idea. We'll get more light. Well, two months into it in February of 1974, uh, the popularity had fallen from 79% to 42% of Americans, <laughs> and they were livid. They were angry. It was dark. The kids were waiting for uh, school buses or driving to school, the teenagers, in the, dark. in the dark. And this is when school started at 8.30. It doesn't start at 8.30 now. It starts at 7, 7.15, 7.30. So think about how much darker it would be now or, you know, how much. So, I mean, they were, it was like first or second period before they were seeing sunrise because a lot of places don't see sunrise until 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, if you were to go, you know, to permanent, stand, permanent daylight time and you know, year-round in January, it's very dark. So what happened is in Florida, and I mentioned that because Marco Rubio mm-hmm. of Florida is pushing this permanent daylight saving time bill now. In Florida, there were several kids who were run over by cars or whatever. I mean, it was, it was awful. 
And the parents were up in arms and they tried to get the Florida state legislature to say, we're going to repeal daylight saving time and go back to standard time. And they couldn't do it because states can't do that Um, at the time. You know, now they could, I guess. But at the time, with this um, edict in place, they couldn't repeal it. So um, the Congress basically stepped in and um, about eight months after they started it, they repealed it. It was early. They were going to keep doing it for a couple of years, but there was so much backlash, particularly from parents in Florida, that um, they repealed it early. And then we all went back to the seasonal daylight saving time after that. Okay. You're listening to Public Policy This Week on KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Northfield, Minnesota. I'm Rich Larson, and my co-host is Bruce Moreland, and we are talking with Dr. Beth Mallow about daylight savings time. So <clears throat> that was the history, and we can see that the politicians, just kind of, this is one of their favorite uh, play with it just to get some headlines, I suppose. Uh, but let's talk about data for a while. Let's talk about particularly the, the, the intuitions that Franklin had seem to be borne out by the fact that commercial interests often seem to be the ones advocating for daylight saving time. But the question is bigger than just the commerce. So what does the data say about daylight saving time? For example, when do we need daylight? I mean, why do we think it's useful to shift it around? Yes. So as a health expert, I'm joined by multiple other health experts, actually more than, I believe, 20 health organizations, American Medical Association, American Academy of Sleep Medicine, World Sleep Society, we're all unanimously in agreement that permanent standard time is the way to go. And the way I like to explain it to people is think about light, morning light, because it gets really confusing to think about if I turn my clock this way, what's going to happen? If you remember that standard time optimizes morning light, it gives us more light in the morning earlier. Uh, than you would with the uh, daylight saving time year-round. So if you think of it that way, what you're doing with daylight saving time is by moving your clock an hour ahead, you're artificially shifting light from the morning to the evening. And morning light is healthier than evening light. Let me explain why. First of all, morning light, we need to kind of just wake us up, get us alert. It's involved in different brain chemicals, like you might have heard of cortisol. Uh, We need that light to to get us waking and going in the morning. And it's also a huge boost to our energy and our mood because um, think of seasonal depression, which I understand is pretty prevalent, right, in in Minnesota. Um, People prescribe light boxes. Doctors prescribe light boxes for people to sit in front of, and they prescribe it for the morning, not for the afternoon or the evening, because it's most potent in the morning. So you need that morning light for your mood to get you to wake up, get going. And this is the part that's really interesting. Light actually helps us fall asleep at night, morning light, because what happens is it aligns our brains and our bodies with the outside world. Our biological clock is actually slightly longer than 24 hours. So if we were in a cave, we would start, we call it free running, where we just start getting off kilter longer and longer each 
you know, our bedtime and wake time would be long later and later each day. But because we have light, we're able to synchronize our brains and bodies to the outside world. So that's super healthy for sleep and everything else. Um, at the other end, having light too late actually can interfere with sleep. So in the in the winter, we need that morning light to wake us up and get us going. In the summer, I mean, we all love light for barbecues and all at six or seven <laughs> at eight at night, but 10 o'clock at night may be a little late. And Bruce knows I was in Minnesota last summer and it was July 4th and one of our friends was having uh, fireworks, right? And we went to their fireworks display and it was, I watched my watch and it was past 10 o'clock before we started because at 10 o'clock there was still some light in the sky. Right. And that interferes with our releasing our own natural melatonin and being able to fall asleep. So we're kind of messed up at both ends with the daylight saving time. We wouldn't have enough light in the morning, in the winter. And then if we went to the permanent daylight saving time and then in the summer, at least some parts of the country, like Minnesota and Minneapolis, you know, and uh, Michigan, uh, Indiana, are getting light way too late uh, at night uh, for our own good. Uh, so that's the health piece. And then, I mean, I could certainly spend lots of time. I'll just briefly condense the importance of sleep on health. We know that we need to we need to have good sleep for our heart, our lungs. It mitigates Alzheimer's. Um, it helps our memory, our mood. It helps our immune system. It helps kids do better in school uh, with learning and memory. It's it's so important. Doctor Mello, how, how I, I'm I, you just you you, you piqued my interest there. How how does it mitigate uh, Alzheimer's disease? Oh sure, uh, we we don't know for sure, but we the the what's been studied has been that as when we go to sleep, we actually have to get rid of toxins in the brain, and they're mm-hmm. washed out when we sleep because um, different parts of the brain, like there's a whole lymphatic system that opens up and basically gets rid of these toxins. So sleep is actually not a passive time; it's a very active time in our our brains and, and, and bodies, and we need that sleep for so many things to, like, reset our, our systems and all. And um, the light and this whole daylight saving time situation really can wreak havoc with it, not just the initial jolt that we're feeling right now, but being off cycle with the light for about eight months out of the year also contributes to um, not sleeping well. Okay, let me, let me go back to the phrase standard time. Standard time was built around the idea that at noon the sun is directly overhead. And basically one city or one location gets to say there's the standard time and everybody else in the time zone is slightly ahead or slightly behind. And we'll come back to that later. But first, I have a question about the, the, the actual process of changing. Uh, I've often heard that that the that one of those I, I can't remember if it's a spring forward or the fall back is harder on our health. What what are the health impacts of having to make that change? I mean, if you've ever worked a shift job where you go in at you know eleven o'clock at night, you know how fun that is, and I've done that. 
I, I got to do that first in missile silos. Oh, wow. And that was a very exciting time to be downstairs when <laughs> N- you were. Not a lot of sunlight in missile silos any, any, at any point in time, is no, there? No, no, not at all. Yeah. We used to joke that one of our little devices was a periscope, but of course it wasn't. But visitors <laughs> got to hear that that was our periscope. So anyway, what does what, what the changing of the clock do to our, our physiology, as it were? Yeah, I mean, I had similar experiences as a doctor working these different shifts, and it really, it really can throw you off cycle. What what happens is, you know, I, I got earlier to on to the fact that our brain, we have a pacemaker in our brain. We have a we call it a circadian clock. Circadian stands for about twenty four hours, and our clock is about twenty four hours, but it's not exactly twenty four hours. So think of it as all of these brain chemicals that you hear about, cortisol and melatonin and all that we need for health, for alertness, for sleep, they're all kind of synchronized, and we need to keep them in check and in sync. And that's what the light does. The light is the strongest, uh, we call it a pacemaker or a zeitgeber. It gives us what we need to keep ourselves in check. And when we don't, when that light is at the wrong time, it can be very disruptive. So all those different brain chemicals can go out of uh, kilter or off cycle. And that's why we see not just from the sleep loss, but from, we call it circadian misalignment, or there's a really interesting term, social jet lag, where it's not that we're flying somewhere, but we're doing things like changing our clocks or the other I think social jet lag example that comes up is teenagers who might stay up really late or young adults or adults who might stay up really late <laughs> on Friday or Saturday, right? And then can't, can't get to work on Sunday morning because they've been, or on Monday morning because they've been up late. So anything that changes our cycles in terms of the outside environment is, is going to be disruptive and, 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 and change our brain chemicals relative to what they should be. And that's why we think we see diabetes and heart disease and even some forms of cancer with shift work and have also been implicated in the daylight saving time um, discussion because there's two things kind of at play. There's losing sleep, which activates all these bad genes in our brains and bodies. But then there's also this like waking up in the dark and going to work or trying to go to sleep, but it's just too light outside. And that plays havoc with our our brain chemicals as well and can lead to inflammation and all of these um, deleterious health effects. And and that's the that's an interesting point. I, I, I the the fact that we are so tied to this twenty four hour rhythm, it, it turns out that if you really play at the tiny level in the data you can see an effect that says you should have your surgeries at a particular time of the day because other times of the day the surgeons are not as on task. Um, and uh, That's absolutely true. And I would add, don't have your surgery right after daylight saving time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. As I sit here in a full arm or a half-arm cast right. in my latest <laughs> surgery. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. Um, are there any other major issues in the health world uh, about our? our... You know, I think the other the other big issue is car accidents. Even though we think of that more as a road thing, I mean, it's still people get hurt, people get killed sometimes. I mean, it's 
Car accidents are really, really interesting because the causes of them are not just, oh, there's more light in the evening, therefore it's going to be safer on my commute home if we go to permanent daylight saving time. Well, there's going to be less light in the morning. And also think about people who are going to be sleepier from the daylight saving time. Mm -hmm. You're going to have um, less vigilance in the evening. You're going to... um, be more apt to text and drive because you're, um, the parts of our brain that normally control our risk-taking centers are weakened when we're sleep-deprived. They're not as tight and they're not as strong. So there's all these different reasons um, why car accidents seem to be going up abruptly when we switch the clocks back and forth and there's also some evidence that they may be worsened by um, the daylight saving time, although it's it's kind of a mixed, it's more of a mixed bag. Okay. Dr. Mello, I, I don't mean to put you on the, on the spot here, but I'm curious. Is there any evidence about the effects of uh, daylight saving time on mental health? Yes. Yes. No, no, you're not putting me on the spot at all. I'll, I'll go back to that seasonal depression yeah. uh, and the idea that, in the, so here's what I always say. In the winter, you can't get away from the days being shorter. Even though it seems right, like right. if we go to daylight saving time, we're going to have sun, fun, and barbecues all <laughs> evening long, even in the winter. You guys in Minnesota are smart enough to know that's not the case. It's right. still going to be cold. You're right. still going to have your snow. And unfortunately, because the days are shorter, there's less light overall we see more seasonal depression in the winter. Well, that's why it's seasonal. It's winter. And the, you, you can't fix that by daylight saving time. It's not going to lengthen. You're not creating more daylight. You're only shifting it around. And we know from the seasonal depression literature that people do better with their mood with light boxes in the morning. So morning light or that the natural thing nor natural morning light which is optimized by standard time, is going to be much more improved for mental health. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because, I, I mean, if, if it was this simple, right, mm-hmm. and there were absolutely no controversies, we wouldn't be doing this, right? We'd all be on standard time. And I think what it is is, and I, I think this is very real, there are people who are cooped up in offices all day long and they just want to get out and get exposed to bright light in the afternoon, which daylight saving time would give them a little bit more of. And I get that. And I think that um, that may be the biggest reason why people want to be on daylight saving time. But what what I'd say about that is um, there's people who can't control their schedules. There are people like... um, School kids who have to, you know, have to be at the bus or or drive to school at really early hours. There's essential workers, firefighters, healthcare workers, police, uh, teachers who have to be somewhere at a certain time. So, to me, you know, what I would try to do with those people who are cooped up in their offices all day long is try to figure out a way that they can get out even at lunchtime, get the sunshine, you know, in other words, figure out some way that we can as a society 
give them the sunlight um, because uh, we just we just have to figure out how to make this work for everyone, well, and and that I think is the challenge. You know what what I'm thinking about though is in the fall when we when we set the clocks back an hour, um, and it's suddenly dark at five o'clock or or you know ten two or whatever. That's jarring. Uh, the, the the first yes. week or so that that we you know if you you work in an office and you work at your regular nine to five um you're at least used to walking to your car and the sun is setting no it's pitch black outside when you at five o'clock or and or, or at whatever it is and uh that's that's where i'm wondering if if there's any studies on that because i can personally attest that that's just a depressing time of year <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I advocate for is just let's stop going back and forth. And this is where I try to find common ground. Bruce knows I'm always trying to find common ground. I really do try to find common ground with Senator Rubio and others who are, you know, wanting to land on permanent daylight time, even though I want to land on permanent standard. I think we all agree, and most Americans agree, we want to stop going back and forth, because you wouldn't have that in the fall. What I experienced was was driving last fall in the afternoon, and it was an hour darker than Mm -hmm. it had been the day before, and people didn't have their lights on, and that was really scary, because it was so abrupt. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't do that, if we didn't change our clocks back and forth twice a year, we'd have these gradual changes, right? And then we would be able to adopt. So I'm all for that. I I think, though, the challenge is not to necessarily get caught up in, gosh, it's darker now in November, therefore day, we should have stayed on daylight saving time, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it wouldn't be as dark at five o'clock because the problem with staying on daylight saving time is you've got to pay the price somewhere. And, you know, I, I haven't honestly looked at Minneapolis, but I know that Indiana would not see sun sunlight sunrise until nine Oh seven in the morning in January. And I suspect that you guys are probably in a similar position because you're also kind of Western edge, right. Of the time zone. Um, I, yeah. I, ha- I have to throw in a personal story. Um, when I would drive from Northfield to Rochester, there's this long hill called the Soan Valley that you have to climb up, mm-hmm. and you're going straight into the sun. And thanks to the switch between daylight and, and standard time, I got to experience that four times a year <laughs> where I was driving right in because it would, I'd be, oh, finally the sun is getting there, all of a sudden, boom, and it's not right. there where it was. <laughs> But what's even worse is the deer don't know nothing about daylight saving time. And so they're crossing the road. So I get to experience deer crossings, which are very, you know, sun-centric, uh, also four times a year where they're in, it's felt like While herds. you were blinded by the light. While I was sun. blinded by the light, yeah. the deer yes. were crossing the road and happens four times. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot on those deer. There's deer yeah. and there's cows, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. And and I have to tell you, I couldn't resist. I'm looking at January 2023 sunrise times in Minneapolis, and we are looking at, um, well, right now, without permanent daylight saving time, it's 10 to 8 in the morning mm-hmm. in Jan- first part of January. So if we went to permanent daylight saving time, you would be seeing sunrise at 10 to 9 in the morning. Oh, man. So, yeah. 
Slightly better than Indiana, but not much. <laughs> it's funny that you just kind of dropped into the conversation about cows because I can remember having long discussions with my dairy farming grandfather and my dad about the impact on the milk cows. Oh, I'll bet. And I could never understand. And the reasoning was, and this is, may have been fall, but the, the truck would show up at 9 o'clock or yeah. 8 o'clock in right. the morning to get milk. But after you change time, it's now an hour later than the cows are used to. They're not ready to be milked yet. They're not ready to be milked yet. Yeah. So I said, well, can't the dairy company just keep their schedule on, you know, just say instead of coming in at 8 in the morning, once we go to daylight time, we're going to come in at 7 in the morning, you know, so we're at the same cow time, if we will, <laughs> cow standard time. And that's important here in Northfield. Of course, we are colleges, cows, and contentment. Amen. So that's our city <laughs> motto, or I might have had them in the Wow, that sounds like a really exciting city. Cows. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We have a whole bunch of different initials in Nashville. Oh, look, at, look, look at the guests throwing um, shade, man. That's great. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's what I, I think you're right, Bruce, about the, the farmers. And the farmers, it was like this myth, right, that they wanted daylight saving time. But it was actually the opposite because they've got to get all the stuff done. Even apart from the cows, they've got to get all this work done in the morning. So they really value that morning light and being able to stay on schedule. And I think ranchers also. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, there's – so here's the deal. I mean, there are – the way I like to say it is there's geographic and there's um, genetic and there's what your job is. So mm-hmm. depending on where you live, especially you guys, western edge of time zones, you're going to see the, the, the latest sunrises and you're really going to want to be on standard time. And then depending on what you do, if you if you roll out of bed at, on a, and join a Zoom call at 9 in the morning, it's not going to matter much to you, but if you're a farmer or an essential worker or a um, student trying to go to school, you're going to really need that morning light. And that's the rub. You know, that's mm. where we have to realize we're not all equally affected depending on where we live and what we do. Um, yeah. Different people are affected differently. This is so much fun because I have to, I, I'm a statistician, I have to drag Dr. Mallow into the math. For a second, and 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 what's really <laughs> hang on? There's a whiteboard behind me. I'll be writing on. Um, Beth, I, re- I really, I really like you. <laughs> well, she'll give me grief back very efficiently. This is fantastic. Um, the the question is, if if I were to look at Tennessee, which is long and skinny, east and west, is there enough of a difference in how the daylight is affecting us that you can measure it even on such a short scale? Because I'm pretty sure there is on the larger scale of a time zone. But even within a single time, can you detect this, the impact of sunlight, east versus west? It's a really great question. In terms of outcomes, you mean like um, right. depression? And- I don't know. That's a really great question. We should be able to... Uh, I feel like I've just become an expert on the geography of Tennessee because I've had to figure out, for example, where different people who sit on these different committees that I'm testifying to live. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten all of their different sunrise times. And there's so much discrepancy. I mean, here in Nashville, we're actually in a pretty good spot. I know it's going to sound weird, but 
we would have sunrise at eight in the morning during daylight saving time, which sounds really late, but it's not as bad as nine o'clock in East Tennessee, where because Tennessee is split. We've got Eastern time zone and central time zone, and we're kind of smack in the middle of the central. So we're in great shape, Mm -hmm. but people on the Eastern time zone who are on the Western edge, like Chattanooga and Knoxville, they're really going to struggle with this. So you're right. I mean, it would be really interesting to look at what, what, let me tell you what people have been doing as a natural experiment. And there's a lot of math involved here, Bruce, so you'll love it. Um, They look at, let's say, I don't know, Chicago and Michigan, or, I mean, you could do the same thing, you know, like, you look at uh, you look at a line and you say, okay, these folks are on the western edge. So getting back to Tennessee, it might be Chattanooga and Nashville. And you say, okay, these folks are on the western edge of the eastern time zone or the central time zone. These other folks are on the eastern edge of the um, central time zone or mountain time zone in your case. And they're they're literally just a few miles apart, but mm-hmm. one of them is getting more light at night and less light in the morning, even now, even before we, you know, what we're doing currently now. And what they found is it's it's almost like redlining. It's really interesting. The people who are on the western edge have more diabetes, cancer, heart disease, obesity. Because they're going to sleep later, and they're also waking up in the dark more. And those, as we talked about um, earlier with the health effects, those are real things. And um, so that's what they use to extrapolate um, to what would happen if we all went to permanent uh, daylight time and we all had that hour less of light in the morning in the winter, um, that it would have profound health effects and also economic effects. Um, the per capita income is less as well if you're on the western edge of a time zone and you're getting less of that light. So I would think that Tennessee could do a similar experiment with some of those calculations. It's it's a great thought. It's it's What's interesting, and we kind of brought this out here, is that the western edge states like Minnesota then are at a disadvantage when compared to the eastern edge states. Something is Absolutely. as close really as yeah. interesting. And so there's, yeah. and that, and, and going to permanent daylight time will exacerbate, make that worse, is what you're saying. That's it would. What it would it do? It would make it worse for you guys because you're even more in the hole now. Right. Mm-hmm. But then those of us who are like doing okay, like the people in Nashville, we'd still suffer the consequences, right, of the um, not having the morning light as much in the winter and, you know, too much light in the summer. Well, right now we're on seasonal daylight saving time, so it's more the winter we're talking about where we would really take the hit with those late sunrises. No, you make a great point. And Minnesota might want to do that study. You know what I mean? Like, you're the perfect people to do that study. The other thing is, we need to figure out what's, I, I guess we'll get to this. I really want to talk about energy, too, because I think right, that's really yeah. important. Well, that's yeah. where we're going to go next, in fact. We've, we've pretty nicely covered the science and, and the medicine behind all of this. But every time you talk about this, you have to say, well, who's pushing for it then? I mean, if the, if the medical evidence is that it's a bad idea, why are we pushing for it all the time? And we go back to the old days. It was an intuition that we would do better. So intuitively, we thought we would do better. But in fact... Um, 
it turns out that we may not have done better. What did the uh, experiment, we'll start with the 74 full-time DST, but, oh no, actually I'll ask you, do you have some ideas or studies in mind or talks in mind about the energy impact? Because that was one of the savings. We're supposed to save energy. Uh, right. And I've, I've heard that we might save some light generating energy with light bulbs, but we lose because we're air conditioning more. Things that's like exactly that. it. And oh, okay. that, that that study is probably from 20, well, it was published, I think, in 2011, 2012, but it was, it was data from Indiana in when <laughs> they went from being, at least some of the cities being on standard time, having opted out like Arizona and Hawaii did. But then in 2006, they all went to daylight saving time. So there were places that you could actually compare uh, energy use before and after the switch. And they expected that the energy use, um, you know, there'd be a greater need for energy because now you were losing that light in the afternoon when people, so you basically had to light up your home in, in the afternoon. And um, paradoxically, they actually found um, that it costs more energy probably when you when you were on daylight saving time compared to standard time. So standard time saved energy probably because, as you say, you were having to, you know, deal with air conditioning um, in the afternoon and heat your home in the, in the morning. You know, the, the idea of there were other forms of energy besides electrical lighting. And, and that was 2006. And since then, we know that we've gotten even more efficient with electrical lighting. And people are now using electricity 24-7 for our devices and all, right? The, the iPhone was 2007. Mm-hmm. So, so now you're dealing with... Um, it's it's not anymore an energy thing, right? There's Or if anything, we would wonder... Um, you know, about with with climate change and increase in heat in the afternoon, we would wonder if now during daylight saving time, we're going to actually have even more um, energy expenditure than we did back in 2006. And that standard time is really not only the best thing for our health, but the best thing for our economy in terms of um, limiting uh, energy costs, but we need that study. You know, I would love to see a daylight. I'd love to see a permanent standard time in Congress, if for no other reason than to have the CBO, you know, the Congressional Budget Office, score it and tell us how much energy costs we're actually saving. Right. Because um, I suspect we probably are saving some energy if we were to be on um, permanent standard time. That's interesting. Let me fill in a little bit for our listeners. The uh, Congressional Budget Office is required to do a cost analysis on any bill that has more than a certain impact. And if we could get the the bill in, proposed in Congress that Dr. Mallow mentioned, then we would get the, the, the chance to have Congress actually evaluate the money side of the equation. But that does bring up an inter- uh, what I think is an interesting question. Um, the medicine is pretty clear on the one and it, going for standard time, but we have to consider more than just the science of medicine. We have to consider other factors. And we've always known that there are some things. What, what are the industries 
Is it just the barbecue salespeople that are f- benefiting from l- longer light in the afternoon? I mean, who who are the industries that are pushing back? Yeah. So there was a really good study. There have not there have been many more studies on the health aspects than there have been on for unfortunately the energy aspects and also on the commercial aspects. But J.P. Morgan Chase did a really nice study looking at credit and debit card use. And they actually found people use their credit and debit cards. Oh, and it was really cool. Let me just just say, as a scientist, I find this very methodologically satisfying. They compared Arizona and L.A. And the reason they looked at Arizona, I think they looked at Phoenix, was because Phoenix stays on standard time year-round. So they actually compared these two cities, Los Angeles and Phoenix, to see what was going on with their credit and debit cards. So Phoenix was the control, right, because they don't go back and forth. And people were using their credit and debit cards more in L.A. uh, to buy stuff during um, daylight saving time because the idea was, like, you're coming home from work and it's really dark and you need milk and you don't want to stop because it's dark. Um, but if it's lighter, you'll stop and you'll get your milk. I don't know about you. If I need milk, I buy milk, right? <laughs> you don't look at the sun first? Well, <laughs> oh, in any case, uh, that was what was happening. And um, so you could make the argument, and I think it's a very realistic argument to make, that from a purchasing standpoint, um, people are spending more money during daylight saving time. However, from a productivity standpoint, we know that when we aren't feeling our best and we're having to call in sick because we got came down with some cold or flu or whatever because our immune systems weren't at their best because we're sleep deprived, there's a price to be paid there as well. Our ability to focus and concentrate and be in our be at our best and work. Um, all these workplace injuries or non-workplace injuries, you know. So the idea is, if you look at the economic implications of um, not getting a good night's sleep and having that kind of social jet lag, circadian misalignment, I think those would outweigh, um, you know picking up milk at the convenience store on the way home. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's the convenience store. It's the National Association of Convenience Stores. I got to meet one of their lobbyists when I was on, I think when I was testifying in front of the U.S. House last uh, year. And um, I guess barbecue people, I don't know, anyone who's involved in any sort of uh, recreational activity that values that after work. Although, can I tell you about um, golf courses in Arizona? Do you have time for that? Sure, we got time. Go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So in Arizona, where they're on daylight, where they're on standard time year round, mm-hmm. they actually play golf in the morning because it's too hot in the afternoon to play golf. So they've switched it. They're on standard time. They have their light in the morning. So they have enough light to play golf and do all these other things, run, whatever. It's cooled down overnight. So the best time of the day to get out there on the golf course or to go for a run or whatever you're going to do is actually in the morning. And because they're on uh, daylight, they're on permanent standard time, they, they've optimized their light in the morning so they can do that. So I just wanted to throw that in there is, 
you can still work out or play golf or whatever you want to do. You just work around it, especially if you live in a part of the country. I know this isn't you guys, but a part of the country <laughs> where it's 115 degrees in November, you know. No, no we, we haven't gotten there yet. We're, we're on our way. Well, that's, that's an interesting idea that uh, Arizona may have been smarter than they thought then, since they probably didn't stay on daylight or standard time for other good reasons, but it just pays off well for them. Um, I have a question that I kind of want to use up part of our remaining time, and that is the, what is the state of the art right now in terms of legislation? I mean, I know that you're familiar with what's going on in uh, a lot of states and then what's going on at the federal level. Can you kind of explain how all those dominoes fit together? The kind of Yeah. So, again, going back to the Uniform Time Act of 1966, states are allowed to exempt out of daylight saving time and just stay on permanent standard time year round. The federal government really has not gotten involved in that standard time issue because from their standpoint, they're going to pass permanent daylight time and say, okay, states that want to be on permanent daylight time can do it now. We're giving you permission. Um, And then states that haven't made up their mind, well, you're just going to go along for the ride. So that's kind of what's going on on a federal level. Um, And what that would mean is that Minnesota, if you haven't made up your mind and gone for permanent standard, I'm sorry, permanent daylight time, you would basically be told you need to do permanent daylight time. But if a state is exempt, if they've opted out like Arizona, Hawaii have, they will not be forced to go to permanent daylight. They can stay on permanent standard. So a lot of states are in the process right now of trying to figure out what they want to do. And there's more and more legislation each year for permanent standard. There's still more bills overall for permanent daylight at the legislative levels. But it's interesting. The tide is definitely shifting where more states are considering the permanent standard argument. I like to think it's because of some of the work we've done as a, a health community. In Tennessee right now, We're in a very similar position to Minnesota. It's fascinating. Both of our states have permanent daylight saving time bills passed, but they can't be enacted, right, until the federal government goes ahead and mandates permanent daylight time. However, both of our states right now have bills looking at permanent standard time. And it's really interesting because in Tennessee, we have not – said we're going to overturn what was passed in 2019 for permanent daylight, that can stay. But that would require federal action, which has not happened yet. And in the meantime, our state can try to pass legislation that would allow us to opt out and go to permanent standard time in collaboration with our neighboring states. And it may be, let's see what happens first. I mean, both bills could be laws, right? right. And the same sure. thing can happen in Minnesota. Oh, wow. So we're, we're queued up like with a trigger that if the feds do something, the state will follow along. And, and you say that Minnesota is set up to trigger to follow the daylight time full time? As, As of now, yes. So but we have some my fighting understanding to do. is you've got some active bills in, in your legislature or an active bill, uh, from what I understand, that would be for permanent standard. Yeah. And that would um, supersede 
the other one, if, you know, because you have, as you say, you'd have to trigger the daylight saving time. While for the standard time, you wouldn't have to trigger it. Right. It would automatically go into effect. So it's something to think about. Yeah, the, the border to our time zone on the west is out in the middle of South Dakota. Mm-hmm. So we'd have to maybe align with South Dakota and North Dakota and say, hey, guys, let's, let's, let's all go to standard time at the same time. And just like you're doing in Tennessee, where you've got you're talking to the states nearby and you might be a pocket of standard in the midst of daylight or something. It's going to and then the, <laughs> and the politics say that we should be on standard time for our health, but our economics, maybe not. And that's an interesting balance. And that's what policy is about, folks. Mm-hmm is the ability to balance the pure um, science against the economic interests. And it sounds like the data is, doesn't give us a uniform The data answer. are mixed. I, I actually think energy is going to be the big um, ah. battleground because, I mean, <laughs> if we could show that energy, which needs are going up every year for more cooling, right? Right. If we can show that energy falls on the side of saving money for states and the country. That may be the linchpin. That may be what we need. Um, so I, I hope the Energy and Commerce Committees <laughs> look at energy as well as commerce. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, and the other thing I want to say is this is such not a conservative-liberal issue because there are so many liberals who want permanent daylight time, you know, those coasties. And then there are so many conservatives <laughs> who want natural, I know you're not supposed to talk about politics on your show, but I can't, I can't help myself. <laughs> I mean, natural time, God's time is standard time. So I think, I'm serious. I mean, it's such a great issue because I've, I've found that I could talk to a progressive group in Nashville and then I can talk to a conservative rotary club in east tennessee and and they they all agree you know on the on the virtues of of um of standard time so uh it's a fun issue well speaking as a representative of the left i have to say first of all that you have you have uh, uh i mean i'm all in on on permanent standard time absolutely i mean this let's go with god's time beth i'm, I'm good with that i mostly i would like to see the switch back and forth end. Um, right. Is there anyone out there advocating? Like what I'm, if I were to just be listening to this conversation, I would think, Oh my gosh, the whole country hates the switch and we've got to go to one or the other. I, I, I would tend to believe that's true, but I don't know that. I mean, is there a, is there a daylight permit or a daylight standard, like preservation society out there? Is there anyone? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's called Save Standard Time. And, yeah, I mean, it it actually exists, and I'm not part. I'm not on the board or anything, but I'm certainly an ally. Um, And I will say on that end, there was a recent poll that came out, and it showed that when you poll Americans, what do they want? They want light that aligns you know they want some they Mm -hmm. want the time that aligns with their body rhythms and and fits they want their kids and if they're a commuter they want to be safe on their morning commute they want good sleep they want healthy mood and all of those are their top priorities and they're all aligned with standard time a lot of americans from what i've gathered all these conversations i've had all these shows i've done 
people are confused. It's confusing. Like when you turn your clock this way, what happens? That's why I always talk about light rather than clocks. Um, I really believe that if we can keep getting the word out and explain this to people in terms that they understand and then show them not just the health benefits, but I think the economic benefits that standard time would, would give us as a country, um, I really do think we can we can kind of turn the clock on this and um, show people uh, the virtues of standard time. That's what I believe. Oh wow. Okay, well, I'm afraid we're going to, I'm going to have to wrap it up here, but I, uh, in closing, you know, I always like to ask my guests a question about is there a video or is there a movie that we can watch? And a lot of times there's a Hollywood movie that emphasizes this issue. I don't think there are any Hollywood movies that are built around the question of DST versus standard time. But uh, we do, I'll recommend and tell people they should look for the West Wing episode about the Indiana because the Indiana time zone, which is at that time in history, it was at a county level, and it was pretty funny. It is absolutely hilarious. I, you know, I, I feel like now, like uh, Ridley Scott may have missed out on an opportunity to make a DST uh, disaster movie. Or, or <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, in any case, uh, did you have any last thoughts? On, uh, I'm just going to remind everybody. Uh, there's the banner you want to grab, the permanent standard time banner. We can all get behind that. So, And there's even an organization that will help us. But did you have any last words, Beth? No, I would just say thank you for listening. And it's it's really a really fun issue. It's a great way to get involved in advocacy. So, um, yeah. So yeah. write to your legislature, figure out what's going on, and um, hold the banner, if you believe in it, of yeah. uh, standard time. And like Dr. Mallis said, this will be a bridging issue that we can find people on both sides to carry those banners. Totally so, nonpartisan. Absolutely. Totally nonpartisan. Totally nonpartisan. Okay, Rich. All right. Well, this has been uh, just a fantastic conversation, Beth. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us. But this is where we do uh, have to end our program. Uh, I'm Rich Larson, and my co-host today has been Bruce Moreland. Thank you so much, uh, Beth, for taking your time uh, and, and, and sharing your ideas with us. We really do appreciate it. Thank just you. Want, it was a pleasure. I just want to say that uh, the objective for public policy this week is to inspire important, meaningful, in-depth conversations about public policy challenges and opportunities. This concludes this edition of our program. We're on KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1, each Friday morning from 10 to 11. And everybody have a fantastic Friday afternoon and a superb weekend. Take care. You've been listening to Public Policy This Week. Tune in every Friday morning at 10 a.m. for more conversation with policy experts. Remember, this show can be found on your favorite podcast platform or stream it from kymnradio.net.